Hey, Quack 12 fans, it's your boy Adam. So this week we're doing one more Patreon preview before we get back into actual current Oregon Duck news, ramping up for the football season, interviews, game breakdowns, game previews, all that good stuff. But for this week, we're going back to our Patreon series, Quackin' Time. This year will be 1948, Adam and Aaron went back in time to Eugene, Oregon to break down 1948 duck football in what should hopefully be an entertaining listen. Once again, next week we'll be back to more uh, normal stuff, but for now, enjoy. Quack. The year is 1948, and the Quacks boys are doing great. That is right, Aaron. You know what? I gotta say, it seems like every wait. What damn- is right? <laughs> I didn't say uh, uh, anything. Well, we were, I've been staring uh, at the sunset. What is right? What's right? I don't. I was trying to start the podcast, Aaron. Oh, I don't shit. know. I thought it felt. Uh, I thought it felt natural, like we were starting a conversation. I thought through. you were speaking to some disembodied, ambiguous <laughs> voice. That sounds like a radio. You have been so paranoid lately, listeners. Aaron, I think it's the you know the fact that now at this point. We have grown up in the in what is more religious, spiritual times. You know, coming back to 1894 and living in Eugene since then. Yeah, I, Aaron's gotten very into. I think he's got some kind of madness. I'm gonna say this quiet so he doesn't hear this. I think he's got some kind of madness where he thinks some ghost keeps talking to him. He keeps he keeps thinking like I don't know. Uh, I I, I hey, think look. he's in his own little haunted house movie over here. Adam, we like to call it the Holy Spirit, okay? Oh, that's religious. Oh, no. (laughs) No. I will tell you this. I am feeling a slight bit more paranoid because... uh, Well, the Reds, first of all. They're taking over all of Europe right now. Yeah, and you know, uh, I've been trying to work with a lot more black artists down at the recording studio because... Mm -hmm. I just think that's a market I would like to be a part of because you can make more money there in the future. So I want to be there ground floor so that, you know, build my empire. You know what I'm saying? I I like how this started out as you thought it was going to be like an empathetic. I want to help these disenfranchised people. He's like, no, I want to be his name. Like, what's his name? Barry Gordon. Look, (laughs) no, no, we're going full. We're going full Motown. Like I'm buying cars. Everybody's got a house like. The living is great for everyone. I'm not like being evil, but oh, I, you good. know, I did see a market value there, duh, because we are from the future. 
But that's right. And yet you I won't forgot. sign my jazz band. Yeah, but I forgot that <laughs> uh, Eugene isn't the most receptive to that idea. Yet. No, 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 no. So, Not in 1950. Not for another 48. 49 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Eugene Oregon for you, baby. But, but anywho, um, yeah, so I'm a little paranoid because they are starting to get a little bit meaner. But I have to remind them, you know, we we run this town, so they need to shut up. Yeah. I mean, make my music. <laughs> um, I'm running for mayor as well. It isn't going very proud successfully. Of you. I'm but proud of we're you. Tr- thank you. Thank you. I am going for it, at least. Um, but, that be I mean, we got so many... <laughs> So many freaking irons, so many fires. Aaron's working in the lab. I have no idea what he's doing down there. Honestly, he won't tell me. He says it's confidential. Well, we're, no, we're cloning, we're cloning Texas. We're, oh, yeah, that's right. See, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm uh, you know, gardening and helping grow a scene for the black community. While, meanwhile, I just have the laboratory making clones of very generic white person music because that shit's easy. Oh, that shit. You can and just pump goes, that out. It goes, one, two, three, four, and that's it. It's very boring. So mm. I just let this. I just let the laboratory handle the white music because it's yeah, it's I'll, not fun I'll to work on. I'll write one for you. I'll write one for you right now. <laughs> the car automobile machine. Take your sweetie to the beach. Yes. That's about it. I mean, Let's put this I'm, out right now. On blast. Have you ever been to the river walk? The boardwalk for sale. Oh yeah, we go away. That's about it. <laughs> Some soft shoe. I'm I'm sick of the fucking music, dude. Well, I'm look, ready here's for the, sickness. Here's the other problem, Adam, is one, mm-hmm. I don't think I've been the same since Alcatraz. And two That did we, change us. We've lived a life since coming back in time, we have lived a life of absolute chaos. Mm-hmm. And it is nothing but gentle breezes and profit now. And I have to tell you, it makes me a little uneasy because it's just been smooth sailing all year mm-hmm. long. It's been so well, smooth. Right. You've been gone because you're just hanging out with the team now. I'm hanging out with the team. I'm um, searching Eugene for any red commies, any commie spies trying to infiltrate oh, geez, America. You're still keeping it USA. flexed over there. Oh, I'm, I'm literally still, absolutely just walking. Through yeah, I'm life. sniffing them out. <laughs> My goal is to change every bad historical thing to happen in America into a positive. Is my goal? Is that mm-hmm. achievable? I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I'm ramping up the Red Scare pretty hard. I think that'll help. But Aaron, 1948 football overall this season. I don't know. Is it a boom? Is it a bust? It's hard to say. I'll tell you this. I would say it's a boom. Yeah, I would say it was a boom too. A lot of good wins, um, very few losses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Aiken, that is right, Jim Aiken, as he said, <laughs> which is a perfectly acceptable joke to say in 1948. Uh, he is our coach and still doing real well. As I mean, you know, he took a. Old Tex Oliver, the your first clone. Um, Tex Oliver, he took his roster and just immediately whipped yep. it into a really good team. Facts got us all the way playing. You know, uh, ended the season with a really good win over Oregon State, and now here we are 
We started off the season against Santa Barbara. That is right, Santa Barbara. Um, and unlike, I'll tell you this, unlike many coaches, Aiken encouraged his players and the general public to think Rose Bowl from the beginning of the 1948 season. So he's already throwing gas on this fire, baby. right? Just like we do to our the opposing businesses in the town when you know they get too much uh, financial success, we throw gas on that fire, get rid of that competition. So taking one out of our playbook, really. Uh, his confidence was based on the return of the best talent the Ducks had fielded in years. I'm talking. Van Brocklin, a.k.a. the Flying Dutchman, uh, Bob Sanders, um, Woodley Lewis, John McKay. Uh, John McKay, too. He'll go on to be quite a legendary coach. Unfortunately, not so much for the Ducks, but I digress. We'll get into that a little later. Um, yeah, and then Lewis transferred to Oregon from Los Angeles City College to add speed and power as a running back and kick return specialist. So w- that is Woodley Lewis. Uh, pretty dang good team, got to say. Aiken also recruited basketball star Dick Wilkins, mm. who had soft hands, really great leaping ability. And then um, Wilkins decided his to boyfriend join. write this fucking article? <laughs> soft hands, beautiful <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just look at this guy. It's like, like, sounds like favoritism hands. over here. Come on. In a good way. I love how your hands have never done a day's work. Yeah. Jamaican told him. Um, yeah, so Wilkins joined uh, Garza and Robinson in the receiving core. So this is honestly quite, this is one of the best, uh, the nation's top passing attacks that he joined even. So we are fucking killing it. We open up the season with a, with a 55 to 7 ass beating of Santa Barbara. As Dick Strike, good old Dick Strike, who I've hired at the Eugene Register. As our writer, as our beat man, he wrote 15 seconds after the opening kickoff at Hayward Field Saturday afternoon, marking the debut of an Oregon football team reputed to be one of the greatest in university history. The big scoreboard at the south end of the field showed Santa Barbara 7, Oregon 0. A crowd of 10,000 spectators, most of them on hand to cheer coach Jim Aiken's Webfoots in, into their seventh consecutive triumph, were dumbfounded when the invading Gauchos returned to the opening kickoff 86 yards to a touchdown. But 34 minutes later, soon after the opening of the third quarter, these same sun-drenched fans were back on the Oregon Rose Bowl bandwagon uh, on the strength of a 55-7 lead, and that was the final score. That is right. That title, I mean, that uh, article is entitled, Is This Rose Bowl Stuff at U of O? 55-7, a gaucho score wedded Webfoot's appetites. The gauchos, you gotta love that name, am I right? Any, any team that is not just a fucking, like, a bulldog, right. uh, you know, a a, a wildcat. God forbid hey. the Indians, which is like half the fucking country right Bro, now. Bro, I can't believe you said it out loud. I said it. Woof. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm saying it's terrible. I'm it is terrible. terrible. Absolutely. I'll tell you this. In 2023, the, uh, the Eugene Emeralds just play the Spokane Indians, which is pretty Ooh, insane. You said it again. They're still called that. Hey, what can I say? It's, it's not 1948. That. I'm the least racist person here. 
I mean, that's um, probably true just by default. Yeah. But I was so born this way. I was born. Uh, here we go. The he next one. was also one. living in Southeast Texas for the first 10 years of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every, uh, the cards are stacked against you. Oh, yeah. Uh, then we had. Here we go. This is against Stanford. Webfoots look not very good, but yeah. win twenty to twelve. <laughs> Damn, you were pretty pissed at this one. You were yeah. you were furious at this one. They had to actually take you out. Well, that, I mean, knock you out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what there is to be said about this except for the fact that uh, you know sometimes I get a little extreme. I apologized afterwards. I hope that you did apologize. Honestly, I think it was a little bit of your PTSD coming in. Once you heard those loud crowd noises, it kind of snapped. I mean, yeah. Come on. We've already talked about it. The calm is getting to me. So maybe I probably needed an an event. All right. You were talking about Capone again. I think you were transported back to your Alcatraz days. Let's just say that today's therapeutic practices are not as good as uh, one would expect. Yeah, that's very true. They're, they're just beginning to hear about Freud and shit, so they, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Stanford's Model T football machine rebuilt from the Shaughnessy model and ran out of gas at Corvallis in 1941 made a myth out of Oregon's highly touted line here Saturday afternoon before the Webfoots returned from a mental jaunt to Ann Arbor to register... A 20 to 12 victory. Coach Jim Aiken's Oregon's uh, rated a leading Rose Bowl contender mostly because of their veteran and sturdy line were torn to shreds. To shreds, you say. Most of the afternoon by a T attack that opened up gigantic holes in the forward wall. The Webfoots, who played Michigan's Rose Bowl champions in Ann Arbor next Saturday, were forced to come from behind to register their opening Pacific Coast Conference victory. So that is right. Um, Maybe a little look-ahead spot there because we're going to go play against number 7, Michigan. This is at Michigan. So obviously this was a huge game. And how did it turn out? Badly. Badly. Oregon suffers 14-0 loss, but team shows real class. Bullshit. No, ain't no class in an L. <laughs> you kidding me? It's class. Now you're getting heated. Oh, boy. I think our yeah, energies are off today. I just remember that we lost and it got me angry. Michigan wins before 65,800 fans. Only in passing does she show a margin. A University of Oregon football team giving its best performance since its 34-7 triumph over San Francisco University last year, suffered a 14-0 defeat at the hands of the powerful Michigan Wolverines. The crowd was the largest a Webfoot team has ever played before, and making four definite uh, scoring threats, Oregon well upheld the prestige of the Pacific Coast Conference where we could have won. The victory was the 16th straight for Michigan's Big Nine champions, the Big Nine, who drowned USC 49-0 in the Rose Bowl last New Year's Day. It was the first loss in nine starts for Coach Jim Aiken's Webfoots. That is cool. Uh, Coach Bonnie Oosterbans Wolverines displaying ground power from its deceptive single wing attack scored twice through the air. 
Well, we lost that one. But that's how it goes. Tomorrow is a new day. I mean, yeah. They're number seven Michigan. They're part of the big nine. What do you expect? Of course, we're going to lose to them. What you do expect, though, is more points than 15 when you're playing Idaho. And yet we did not. Fortunately for us, that was enough to win the game. Oregon fumbles its way to 15-8 win over the Vandals is what they wrote in the next day's paper. I'll tell you this, um, yeah, a 40-yard fumble from McKay, the great John McKay. Uh, it was now Idaho's turn to boot a chance at the scoring column, and it ended when George Bell grabbed the ball from Mays on the 16 and raced it back to the 26. So they they scored off a fumble. It was pretty freaking close to just yeah. destroying us, but we did end up winning that one. And but, now you went sure, to yeah. this game, so mm-hmm. what what is Moscow like right now? Well, I haven't see, this left is again since we got. I back. was confused. I was a little confused because I kept, you know, I, again, I'm looking for the Reds. I'm looking for some commies, and so I heard there's Moscow. a lot there. I oh, there's a lot of commies in Moscow. That's what I kept hearing. Moscow, Moscow, Moscow. That's the <laughs> right. capital, commie right. capital. So I go there and I'm trying to find it. Dude, there was just nothing but hicks there. Dumbass Idaho and well, hicks. That was the other thing I was expecting. Okay. Hicks? Well, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So things haven't yeah, changed. So, Great. I don't know. Moscow doesn't seem like anything like they were talking about, if I'm being real. Um, Interesting. Here we go. So, But you, we should be beating them by a lot more than that. Then came USC. Now, USC, that's always a tough out. I mean, for the same reasons it is now. They got a lot. They just put a lot of effort into their team. They're, they're a powerhouse, which is why. It felt so good to beat them, my brother. That is right. October 16th, we beat them 8-7. to seven. Woo! It was a close one. That was one. a squeaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we're still working on, you know, we're still playing in Multnomah, on, in Multnomah Stadium and not on Hayward Field because uh, we're trying to get some going here. So that did help us out because here we go. Webfoot's two-point safety does it. 8-7. to seven. Score is close, but Troy falls. To you, well, the University of Oregon Webfoots striking with all of the pent up fury amassed over a period of 33 years of embarrassing defeats at the hands of the mighty men of Troy, completely outclassed Southern California here Saturday afternoon to register an 8 7 victory. A record breaking crowd of 33,000 sitting under a brilliant sun and overflowing along the grass slopes on the east side of the stadium shuddered with fear as the defending Pacific Coast Conference champions threatened to take the game out the fire in the final four seconds of play. But Coach Jim Aiken's Webfoots, unbeaten in three conference games and still title contenders, wouldn't be denied their third victory in this 15 meeting despite. 15th meeting, despite repeated discouraging reversals. Ooh. After thumpings of, uh, of from, that doesn't make sense, 26 to 53 point proportions down through the years, most Oregonians would have settled for the one point decision, but not Saturday. 
Beside the 16-yard scoring pass from Norm Van Brocklin to Dick Wilkins in the first quarter and Dan Garza's blocking of Dean Dill's punt for a two-point safety in the second period, Oregon threatened to tally no less than on three other occasions. Hell yeah, we go for two and we get the win. You gotta love that. That is absolutely cool. Love it. Now, we only have a few more games left. Uh, we'll well, cover Washington. We're like halfway through the season. At this point, yeah, I haven't seen you in, fuck, I think like, geez, I haven't seen you for like 15 days. You haven't come home to me yet. That is right. That is right. Uh, I was out and about covering, covering the green men, covering the, the mighty yellow, the uh, lemon yellow. And here we go. We had one more game. This is against the Cougars. Then I do believe we have a sponsor. I would hope so for this episode. This most important episode. Webfoot show real stuff in topping Cougars. That seems like they just ran out of headline ideas. Yeah. So they just... Oh, they showed real stuff. Well, you know, I kind of regret firing the guy who was so verbostic uh, last year. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because now I'm kind of missing all that colorful uh, commentary he was adding in. So, oh well, no. you, know, you live, you learn. To tell you the truth, I hate to break this to you on air, but um, syphilis has taken, taken him, taken his toll on him. He's uh, so we like can't our dear get him friend. Back? No, like our dear friend. Um, for some reason, now I'm forgetting his name. Gangster, we met in Alcatraz. Al Capone. Right. Syphilis has ravaged his mind useless. What can I say? It's 1948. Well, RIP to another one. A real one. Maybe penicillin is something you can think about making in your little lab instead of your mutant uh, sins against God. Anyways, <laughs> 19,500 joyous fans cheer him to fourth victory. Van Brocklin, Wilkins, passing team, clicks. Oregon football's webfoots inhaled a whiff of wilting rose petals floating across the Hayward Field turf in the wake of a 73-yard touchdown run by Washington State's Don Paul Saturday afternoon. But then they turned in a performance that definitely established them as the Pacific Coast Conference title contenders they've always been. Oregon won its fourth straight conference engagement 33-7 to remain at the top of the coast standings. Hell yeah. A fidgety homecoming crowd of 19,500 watched the invading Cougars from the Palouse Hills smashed the Oregon nine-yard line early in the game. But after the sun popped through an overcast sky and Oregon tallied on an 89-yard drive in the second period, the fans were content. There was unrest again six minutes later when Paul scored on the most spectacular running play of the game and Bill Lickenpot's placement uh, equaled the one booted by Shet Daniels from a 7-7 deadlock. But in the end, the Ducks win it all. Our hero, Jim Aiken. Jim Aiken, the most popular Oregon football coach in history. Wow, that is saying, I don't like more than Hugo Bezdek? Come on now. Uh, received his biggest award after the final gun on Hayward Field Saturday, being carried across the field on the shoulders of his players and being dumped in front of his wife, who rewarded him with a smacking kiss. Something like that. Yum, yum, yum. Absolutely. I love that we get the report of the kiss. I thought he was dumped by his wife. I was afraid by that, but no. Sounds like they're doing well. Aaron... (laughs) 
Uh, is it true that we have a sponsor? Adam. Is, is this true? I'm hearing this. Adam, did you hear about J- uh, Jam Pierce and his glorious concert Thursday night? Of course. If got not, tickets. you can still have the great pleasure of listening to him on RCA Victor Records. Sensational new Columbia long-playing record, 45 minutes on record, is proving a success. Come in for demonstration. Wilson's Music House sells you happiness unlimited when it sells you a Kimball piano. Get in the band. See our big stock, Holton Olds, Con Collegiate, Strausser and Alexander. All new late models at lowest price in Eugene, cash or terms. Music Wilson House. 39 East, or wait, Wilson's Music House, 39 East 10th Avenue. There you go, baby. There you go. Well, I'm excited to say we enhanced our bowl potential, our Rose Bowl potential. Because, again, we were at the very top of the PCC, and we stay there because close call as Webfoot's win 14-13. to 13. It was a close one. This one is, of course, against St. Mary's. The Gales fighting for that, uh, oh shit, what was it called? Governor's Trophy, I do believe. That is right, the Governor's Trophy. We do win this one. Um, The Gales actually led until late, but then when Wilkins caught two Van Brocklin passes, the last with 120 left left for the winning score, baby. Uh, Yeah, again, our passing attack, which is really fun at this point when there's not, you know, that's not as much of a thing in games being so reliant right. on the pass is still considered a little risky. Got we're still playing old man football here. Then came Washington. You know we hate Washington. We got something brewing here. It looks like it's good, not the UCLA Bruins. Different kind of brewing. We beat the Huskies to keep our Rose Bowl chances alive. Oregon still on top by slim 13 to 7 win. So many close games in this Huskies deny first-half scores. Webfoots take to air for both tallies. This is, of course, in Washington Stadium in Seattle. Oregon's Webfoots continued their weary way towards a possible Pacific Coast Conference football title here Saturday afternoon, displaying a potent attack in defeating an inspired and tricky T-formation Washington aggregation. Everything is in the T-formation. I don't even know why they mention it anymore because so many teams are playing in this fucking T-formation. It's what you do. You know what I mean? It's just, it's catching the, it's the new wave. It's just catching fire right now. Um, A crowd of 33,000. And apparently 33,000 people watch us wherever we go. It seems like I've said that name a million times. Or that number a million times at this point. True. Crowd of 33,000 sitting in brilliant sunshine. I feel like I've read that fucking sentence a million times this episode. True. In this horseshoe bowl off Lake Washington, watch Norm Van Brocklin lift his aerial tricks out of the bag after a scoreless first half to score early in both the third and fourth periods. And as the sun gave way to murky fog, they watched the power-driven Huskies grind out a 65-yard touchdown drive in the last five minutes of play. Van Brocklin passed to Dick Wilkins for 27 yards and a touchdown on the second play after the second half kickoff, and then passed 20 yards to Dan Garza, Oregon's other ace end, for the second touchdown. Hell yeah. So I'm loving it. We're kicking ass. We beat the Huskies. Everything's going according to plan. Then came the Bruins, and we win again. Spoiler alert. 
in spectacular fashion, 26 to seven. So that is two wins in LA this year. That is very hard to do. Bruins knuckle under to bowl bound Oregon, 26 to seven victory keeps Webfoot slate clean. A strong aroma of roses, always talking about the smell of roses. A strong aroma of roses drifted over the night air uh, into, uh, into this gigantic concrete bowl Friday night, and nearly every one of the 42,000 spectators could identify its origination 10 miles away and flowing over the San Rafael Hills from the Rose Bowl, where a great University of Oregon football team might well be playing January 1st. Even the usually skeptical Los Angeles football writers agreed that Jim Aiken's Webfoots gave the best gridiron exhibition of the season on this fast turf field after watching the leaders of the Pacific Coast Conference grind out four touchdowns in the first 46 minutes of play and wallop the Bruins 26-7. to Our offense is clicking. Our defense is on fire. Then came the Beavers. Those damn beaver boys, you know they've spoiled seasons for us in the past, but not this year. Because the Ducks squeak by 7-6. We do it, buddy. And uh, as the title says here, Rose Bowl choice still undecided. Oh, sorry, actually it's a different score. Beavers fall 10-0 to Mighty Ducks. That's the first mm. time in one of these papers... I've seen Mighty Ducks in there. Fucking awesome. I know. Um, Muddy Field, a handicap to both squads. McCade's 15-yard run. Daniel's kick, do, trick. Jamaican, University of Oregon Webfoots, the greatest gang of gritters in the history of the university, made their coach preseason boast come true here Saturday afternoon. Blinking Oregon State Beavers 10-0 before some 22,000 fans. Aiken had announced to the world last summer that Oregon would have a title contender, and only his webfoots were convinced at the time. The triumph registered on a muddy field that handicapped the offense of both teams was the team's seventh straight conference victory. And although Oregon holds a half-game edge over California, the two schools are considered tied. Ooh, we'll see what happens there. Now, I'll tell you this. It's kind of messed up. If I'm being honest. So we've challenged the Cal Bears. Okay? We challenged them just to straight up play for who gets to play. Right. Because we're desperate. Um, only unwritten tradition kept PCC teams from going to Bulls. Uh, uh, well, I'll tell you this. Here it is. Here it is. The Oregonian, editor L.H. Gregory, wrote um, in a column called Greg's Gossip. Oh, mm-hmm. I do like it. I do like it. Did that, you did you add this in? No, is this, this is this an editorial idea. Just this like, is in the Oregonian. This is my competitor. I appreciate it, but I hate it too. Oh um, no, we can't be having it in our competitor's paper. No, 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 no. Shut this down. I'm okay. Well, this dude's uh, over. He'll be he'll be writing for us soon. Yeah. Yeah. This will be the last column. one he ever writes. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That Oregon got its own vote and that those of OSC and Washington State, so those people were voting us for us over Cal, but everyone else, when it came to the PCC members, voted Cal's way, 7-3. to three. 
which is fucked up because we even offered to meet California in an unprecedented playoff game right. at Berkeley or San Francisco. We would have gone to play at their place uh, just to straight up be like, who is the undisputed PCC title? Conference officials said, okay. California said, no way. They yeah, did not want exactly. any of that heat. So fucked up that the Huskies, in a way, um, basically voted for Cal just to spite us. Yep. And actually Garza, our great receiver, said, uh, for me, Washington's vote, Idaho and Montana's too, pretty well shot down the whole idea of Northwest loyalty. So we're fucking pissed because those they should have been voting for us, but they stabbed us in the back. And instead of not playing in a bowl game, which usually it's just the Rose Bowl, we decided, nah, we're going to take some invitation. We're going to look around. Um, we, we preferred to play in the Sugar Bowl at New Orleans. That would have been really nice. Uh, the Orange Bowl would have been good, too. Possible matchup with Oklahoma. What we ended up doing is we ended up playing the Southwest Conference champion, which is SMU. Oh, how intriguing. Uh, Because they sent us over an invitation to play in the Cotton Bowl, and we were down. So we say that. Uh, You know, we're down to play. However, there was a problem, a very 1948 problem. We had several black players on our team, okay? Uh, Some of them absolute leaders on our team. Leo Harris met with the players prior to accepting the invitation to play in the Cotton Bowl. It was well known black people were not allowed to play against white people in the South. And in Texas was, uh, was you know, it was basically on the edge of the South. Is the South somewhat? Unless, I don't know. Would you, would you say Texas is the South? No, I would say Texas is thing. Texas. Yeah, Texas is Texas. Texas is Texas. But, it, you, you know, it abides by those same principles of uh, dumb fuckery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the black players wanted to be assured before they went down there that they would be able to play in Dallas, you know. Oh, and, don't count your cards, brother, because yeah. Dallas is nightmare land. And, uh, well, Cotton Bowl officials gave them assurance that they could, uh, but the color problem, as it was said, raised its head when the team arrived in Dallas. Black players were not allowed to stay with the rest of the team in the hotel. Uh, they were yeah. put up in private residences. Training table was shared, and some social activities were integrated, but most importantly, the players played in the bowl. That is the most important. Absolutely. This is one of the very few times that white and black players were allowed to play against each other in the South, uh, you know, before the 60s, certainly. And uh, hometown fans and students gave the PCC co-champions a rousing send-off. We left from Matt Court. Huge party there. Uh, It took us 12 days we got down there. Um, The Oregon Webfoot Special, we were on a little train down there. And Aaron, I hate to say it, but... Oh, boy. It didn't work out for us. The Oregonian and the United Press both picked the Ducks to win, uh, citing the Ducks' strong backfield. However, SMU's Matty Bell... Um, oh, actually, no, sorry. Both coaches predicted that they would lose. I like how they, they have such little confidence. Or there's probably a tactic, you know. But um, in front of 69,000 fans, nice. This is a, a huge game. 
We lose. We lose. And I hate it. I hate it. There was a little moment where it looked like we were going to have something. We were down 21-6. Oregon mounted a strong fourth period comeback drive, beginning with the 41-yard Van Brocklin pass to Daryl Robinson. Um, but in the end, we, we lose. And it blows. What can well, I say? I mean, I heard that uh, they poisoned the food in our players. I, I believe it, which, which sucks because I was trying to poison them, but the poison didn't get to them until after the game. Right. Which only makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, that is right. Oregon, Cal, both drop bowl games. Fine. So neither of us even won. Um, fine Webfoot team. Never quits, but Doak Walker proves too good. We should say that. Doak Walker is on SMU's team. Doak Walker, like, they name the award in the future for best running back after him. So That's clearly awesome. the dude. The dude was pretty freaking good. Uh, Garza said, most of us were combat vet- Oh, this is about the team in general. Most of us were combat veterans in our mid or late 20s, a focused and determined bunch of men. We didn't ever get really psyched up for any game, and certainly not the Cotton Bowl, especially after wanting to go to Pasadena. We just went into each battle, each game, without a lot of fuss and rah-rah, and got the job done. Uh, 1948 Ducks played just four of their ten regular season games at home. And I'll tell you this, we even paid the PCC. We didn't have to because there was no precedent for this. It just said that you had to share your Rose Bowl winnings. We decided to give some of our Cotton Bowl uh, you know, money that we earned to the PCC as a sign of good faith. Wow. But we took a bunch of the other money, and Leo Harris, our AD, I do believe... Because um, we got a shit ton of money, got like ninety grand after this. Put some aside, and we bought the land that one day Austin Stadium would be built on, which oh. is a very good investment. Just some random swamp land. Tell you this, we're losing a lot of good players after this season. Uh, Van Brocklin completed a four-year course. He's gonna have a great NFL career. Um, I believe, and then later even, becomes a TV broadcaster for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, first Oregon Letterman induced into the National Football Foundation Hall of Fame. He, he's absolutely just, yeah, one of the best. Hmm. Uh, he, he dies in 1983, but, you know, don't tell him that. We're not supposed to really mess with the future like that. Overall, Secret Aaron, safe. this is a huge one. Um, yeah, if it wasn't for maybe Doak Walker, the real triple threat, who punt passed and ran through us, maybe we would have won this one. But either way, this is a good year. It's good. Went to a bowl game when it, when it was a lot harder to go to a bowl game. I'm proud of us, Aaron. I think we did uh, probably the best. If you think about it, we only lost one game. Yeah. Hell yeah. You asked me. It's, it, it's going to get rougher in the count. future. Yeah, final one doesn't count. Just a bowl game. We already we, we run just by getting by getting there. Yeah, I'm we excited paid, to see baby. how it plays out through uh, the next few years because it seems like we're hot as hell. Hell yeah, baby. That being said, Aaron, I'll see you in 1949. Well, I mean, I'll see you at dinner tonight because well, yeah. I'm gonna go to well, the grocery store real quick and then I'll be right back. I'm trying to make it seem like <laughs> all right. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, I'll see you tonight for dinner, obviously. All right, see you in 1949, I guess.
Keys on my key ring that opens your front door. 